Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Special Miss Burnham. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, and welcome to a new episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. No, I am not your host, Jordan Hoffman, uh, who was on the Star Trek cruise not too long ago. He made it eventually and was uh, petting two cans and hanging out with not a visitor. Um, but he, he is now at the Sundance Film Festival watching movies that have absolutely nothing to do with the Star Trek universe, uh, unlike the indie film that he maligned like two episodes. Uh, <laughs> nothing like that. I, I, I was scanning the, the programming of Sundance, and there's no – I'm not even sure he's going to be seeing a science fiction film while he's there. We'll have to see. But <laughs> we will find follow. out. Jordan, obviously, on, on Twitter and get his uh, Sundance reviews. He's, he's really plugging away at, at covering that film festival, and it's really interesting what he's, what he's seeing, so I would highly recommend it. Who am I? I'm Matt Patches. Uh, I was guesting on the show, you know, two weeks ago. Um, for some reason, I was about to have a baby with my wife, and we did, and I'm still... Uh, guest hosting the show for some crazy reason. Uh, it's really helping me get out of the house. And, of course, Brian is here with us. Brian? Hello, Brian. Matt. How are you? I'm doing really well. I owe you such a, a pat on the back. I'm, I'm in awe. I'm bowing <laughs> down to you um, because I didn't think what was going to happen happened. I think we can go full spoilers here. Yeah, absolutely. This is what we do here. Yeah, of course. So Lorca... He's a pretty bad guy. Yes. He's, like he's a pretty bad guy. We'll get there, but, like, you called – well, when we were talking about season one, or the first half of season one, you you were very suspicious of Lorca, always up to no good. I personally, when I was either listening to you and Jordan talk about it <laughs> or being on the show, guesting on the show, was so resistant. I wanted him to be a complex, you know, shade, shades of gray well, character. And he still might be, but I think, I think he still might be. Bad guy. I think he still might be. Um, it's... <laughs> I, I actually I'm not sold that he's a bad guy. Uh, I, I'm 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 still in the gray area, but I mean just the fact that he he clearly has had some kind of plan all along uh, was felt very good. I, I felt like a, a lot of things this episode was just like, hey Brian, you were right about that too. <laughs> I know this was the whole like fan theory payoff Brian's episode. <laughs> um, so you get to do dance circles around all of us because you got it pretty much all right. Because not only is Lorca maybe bad up to something he's he's mirror Lorca yes uh, uh, he's definitely from 
the the evil universe and uh, brought Michael Burnham and the crew of the Discovery over here for a reason, um, which I'm not totally sure we're there, but we'll, we'll get there. We should uh, maybe, maybe go in order of this episode, vaulting ambition, um, because there's a lot to chip away at. There's a lot of moving parts yes. in this episode that I think it's it's worth building up to the Lorca reveal at the very end <laughs> uh, by covering some of the other reveals that, again, you get pats on the back for. Um, so this episode, I also wanted to mention, because there's been a lot of conversation in Hollywood about female directors and, and people of color getting opportunities in Hollywood. This episode was directed by a longtime television director, Hanel M. Culpepper, who is a black woman, black female director. And, you know, these people are there if you if you wow i had no idea track them and uh it should be it should be noted i think oh yeah this was just a great episode <laughs> yeah and uh yeah perfect i uh, you know this is not the most action-packed episode but like juggling all that drama and and making these walk and talks interesting especially the female dynamics between uh giorgio and burnham i think are really interesting this kind of mother daughter relationship this empress captain relationship there's a lot going on and yes. uh, it's dramatically coherent which is always a pleasure and i think the whole show is too i've been thinking a lot about how they pace the show it's so interesting it's not like old star trek with these kind of procedural one-off episodes i, I was i was thinking that too there's so much more of a focus on the um the the character development i mean it really the previous star trek series i mean maybe not the more recent ones but the old like the original and the next generation those characters didn't change that much uh, during the course of those series. Yeah, like Data could get an implant, an emotion implant, and then he would be a totally different person for a season or something. But other than that, you know, people were kind of steadfast in their ways. They filled archetypes, and you could kind of plug and play with different characters, yeah. different scenarios, and then that would be the fun. And here we have, it's not just that there are different arcs, you know, there's obviously shows where each season is a new mission, you know, and you have 24, right? A season of 24 yeah. is going to be the same because there's going to be a new problem, and it, this show could be like that, even in half seasons. But here, all the arcs are kind of bleeding together. Like, the Klingon War is not over at home. Um, and even though that seems kind of to be at rest, and even, we'll get to this too, that like uh, Bach and uh, Laurel's mission is kind of over, even though they're caught up in their own Klingon Michigas. Uh, yeah. that, that's behind us. And yet, it's not behind us. They'll have to go home to that eventually and kind of figure that out. And then you have all the Mirror Universe stuff, but all everything that's happened in season, the half, first half of season one is kind of coming back. And I saw someone describe it, describe Discovery as kind of like a novel that's really unfolding. And while I think that's appropriate for the, the character development, I really think, and not to use this as a pejorative, as it so often is, it's really like comic book storytelling in the best way possible. Maybe that's why I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think that it's like a comic book in a, in a good way? I mean, it's, again, so often we kind of slam things for being, in this era, so comic booky. But I don't really find comic book movies to be very comic booky because we don't get regular installments like this. There's like big graphic novels or something. But here we really we're getting a comic book TV show, and I think it's successful in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's definitely like you know those kind of cliffhanger endings every every week and everything. So um, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. So let's talk about Michael Burnham's plan, or like the whole plan for getting 
the archived information about the USS Defiant. That's that's correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what they're trying to chase down here, right? Yes, because they they did get it last week, but it, most of the information was redacted, so they really didn't get much out of it. So best, the best line in this episode is the dead giveaway that Lorca is from the Mirror Universe, which happens in the first scene, and Lorca is like. Oh, the complete archives are actually in the palace, which is fortunately where we've been summoned. <laughs> <laughs> what? How do you know? What are you talking about? It's, it's like a line out of, uh, uh, oh, God, what is the Jim Carrey movie where it's like the Truman Show. <laughs> are, you, do you, are you on TV? What do you, what do you know? Um, and he clearly knows a lot of things. Uh, so, yeah, they're hunting for the archives for the Defiant, and Michael Burnham is just like, Okay, I guess I guess that's what we'll do. But what what do you think? What do you make of the plan here? Because obviously, she's trying to put up this facade that she is Mirror Universe Michael Burnham, and that completely goes to crap. Well, um, um, hmm. I think she can kind of turn it around by admitting that she's from the Prime Universe, I suppose. Yes, I, I actually the, this is one of the issues I had with the the episode is I I felt that that whole scene where she reveals it. I mean, granted, she didn't have another play. Like she was she was dead to rights if she did not say that, but I still don't buy that Georgia wouldn't have killed her anyway. I mean, she clearly does not trust, um, you know, people of, of from a different universe. And I, I, I can sort of see that the desire to, uh, to to see how they got there and if she can exploit that. But but still, um, I don't know. It was a little, a little iffy for me. Why, why did Georgia think that Michael Burnham was committing treason? Was it just because she was gallivanting around the universe tracking down Lorca, or she just didn't believe that that was the case? Well, no, they, uh, that was something that was unseen. So apparently before, uh, you know, I guess when, when Lorca tr- came to our universe, or the, the main universe, I should say, uh, they had already found out that Burnham was working with him in, in some capacity. So... Um, she was very so. So Georgia was very surprised to even see her uh, Burnham come back because it didn't make sense. Like they knew she was right. a her traitor. Oil. Yeah. Burnham's plot was spoiled by Michael Burnham. Yes. Earlier, <laughs> and who Michael Burnham thought would have a little more attacked, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> uh, bad plan. Bad plan for her, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, um, so the the question is is I mean uh, how much of. Uh, how much did Lorca know? Did did he know that Burner was walking into a trap? Basically, that 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 right. regular main universe Burner was walking into a trap because they obviously uh, Lorca and Mirror Burnham had some kind of relationship previously. Whether that's a more of a protege or possibly even romantic uh, relationship is yet to be seen. But um, it, it, to to think that he didn't know. That Georgia knew is is a little strange. Well, he was definitely planning the breakout. He knew he was going to be able to bust out because Burnham injected him with that serum. Oh, yeah, the the nerve dampener, yes. Yeah, so he had a plan to get out. But, yeah, it's unclear if he's setting Burnham up to have this confrontation with Giorgio. But the thing is, he does have a romantic relationship. I think that is clear. It, it, you do okay. Something more, right? It be that's what Giorgio says that they had a re- she had a relationship with Burnham that was like a mother and daughter, and that Lorca was filling the father role. And then as they grew up, uh, he groomed you. He chose you, and that it became something more. Well, see now that's where I saw. I, I, that's see now. Um, 
a few a few weeks them. ago when you were on, you said that uh, you said that the the Vok Tyler rela- uh, you know relation had not been expressly said. Right. Yeah. And I, I, actually, I actually thought about that many times. I'm like, you know what? He's right. They've implied it up and down, but they have not physically said it yet. Which so I love about the show. Yes. Oh, it's so transparent and telegraphed. Like after we had the conversation about Lorca, I'm like, you're absolutely right. I totally bought into that theory. And then every single moment is telegraphing this. Like, yeah. It's a, it's it's kind of the anti-spoiler approach. Make it very clear what the twist is going to be. Yeah. Because then you can get people riled up, and every moment can feed into it. It's like knowing the end of the Sixth Sense before <laughs> seeing it, because it's actually really fulfilling too. It I'm is do all the work to make this coherent. It makes sense, and that the payoff will still be fulfilling because you saw it coming, and it made it was logical. Uh, yeah. That, I, I, it, it feels great. That feeling, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you were t- thinking about Vox, or so, so, so no, actually. So my point was actually counter to what just what you just said is is that I, I've been waiting for them to actually ex- explicitly say right, something right. before I I take it as fact now since you said that. So I, I I'm kind of wondering if uh, that's why I'm still kind of teetering between kind of protege or or like lover or both. Yeah, I th- I think you're right, especially if she was teaming up with him to do something. I, I guess the big question is, is Michael Burnham, everyone says Michael Burnham mirror universe is dead. Is, yeah. Is she alive? Yeah, that, that probably is. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, I guess we'll see. But first off, uh, I love that Giorgio's full title is Philippa Giorgio Augustus Laponius Centaurus, and I think you should refer to her as such the entire episode. <laughs> I wish I could remember it. I tried writing it down, and I, I, I couldn't, and I'm like, I'm not going to rewind it. Cap. had to go on CBS All Access on my computer just to screen cap that moment with closed captions. <laughs> just so perfect. Um, but what do, you, what do you make of Giorgio? What does Giorgio understand about the Prime Universe, the Mirror Universe, their relationships? What did Defiant do like i mean it came here and we know from enterprise i think that eventually um it was taken over by hoshi sato the mirror universe empress sato and like commanded um through space but i'm I'm not exactly sure what giorgio knows about this ship or about the prime universe she seems to think that we're really dangerous she, yeah she, i mean she's seeing any, any freedom, cooperation is a destructive ideal fuels rebellions obviously she has a rebellion on her hand and she says i will not let you infect us again so i'm not exactly sure what that means was there something where the people of defiant who apparently went crazy when they yes kind of, i found that to be interesting too um I, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, she, she she calls them out for being invaders, and she she says yes that like we don't want to. She doesn't want her her empire being infected by hope and their ideals. So, uh, I mean, c- clearly just just being in in the room with with uh, with Burnham's uh, confession, she kills ninety percent of the people in the room just because they heard it. That was a pretty crazy scene. Yes, it was. <laughs> not a piece of technology I've seen in the Star Trek universe yet. No, I have not. <laughs> um, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, Michelle Yao, I'm so glad she's back on this show because I loved her as nice Giorgio. Yes. Um, and, and standing for good and exploration and kind of standing up to Burnham when Burnham kind of crossed the line. And now we see her just being completely diabolical. It made me think that, you know, Michelle Yao was in a Bond movie playing the kind of like Bond girl 
That's kind of reductive because she kicked a lot of ass in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> but I would definitely want to see Michelle Yao as a Bond villain at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's doing a great job. In uh in, in Discovery, in the Mirror Universe. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what she knows, and it's intriguing. I don't know how she'll turn the tables or if she'll cross over. I don't know what her ambition well, is. Well, I... Clearly, we know. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to this soon enough. But I mean, we know there is a another Stamets in this universe, and who is also who is also doing work uh, with the uh, the mycelial network. Am I saying that word right? I, I never feel like I never do. Mycelial. Mycelial. Um, so she she must know of that project, being that it's based on her ship, uh, and. Clearly, that they just didn't quite figure it out as well as the, as it was figured out in uh, the main universe. So, sh- I think that she wants that to work. She wants to take that technology and use it to her advantage uh, here, or uh, whether that's you know uh, used to kind of uh, quell the rebellion or to maybe even invade another reality. Um, that's yet to be seen. But she, that's really the only reason for her to to keep this Burnham alive. Yeah, I, I see the fire in her eyes, and I keep thinking cross-universe invasion. Yeah. Uh, and especially when I saw Stamets, and we'll talk about this in a second, which Stamets it was, because I'm a little confused because I'm seeing conflicting reports about which Stamets woke up on the ISS Charon, um, which apparently has a giant ball of, like, floating fire in its warp core. Yes. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we have not seen a ship of that size ever before in in Star Trek. Am I, am I wrong in that? <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to. That was to massive. The, uh, the battle knot or whatever from the latest Star Wars movie. It was, it was <laughs> revving up the technology to, to full Star Cruiser. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty badass, but I'm not sure what the fire there, literal fire, yeah. uh, is doing, or what if that's part of their version of the spore drive, or what? However, they have tapped into the mycelial network. I mean, whatever Mirror Stamets did, it's it's poisoned the network, and it's all going to fall apart. All all realities will collapse, which is always a good way to raise the stakes. Yes. <laughs> Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage. Official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Well, let's talk a little about Stamets then, um, because what what was happening was it was a little rushed. I could have used a little more time of Stamets kind of floating in his in between. Yes, uh, I, I agree. My cellular network, but. Yeah, what do you think? Um, yeah, it it definitely did feel rushed. Uh, I I definitely think they could have jumped into this in the previous episode, but then again, then they're just packing too much information in there. But uh, they seem to like to switch off certain stories for for an episode. So, you know, two episodes ago we we had Stamets, you know, uh, make that jump, and then um, oh no, maybe he was out out of commission for two episodes. But they tend to. Um, 
they tend to jump around with the characters and the arcs between episodes. So I, I think they didn't want to have it go through every episode. So that's why they, they had to kind of cram it into one. Yeah. It kind of worked. I mean, I think what made it work was having Colbert come back. Yes. We talked about when Colbert died, Jordan was kind of frustrated by that kind of quick death, having this relationship, this kind of really vibrant romantic relationship, both end and then be spoiled by the actor um, doing interviews after the fact <laughs> that he would definitely come back. Um it's like, okay, we, there was an explanation for that. Listen to that episode, I would say. We went into it deep about uh, gay characters on television being killed and yeah. the Internet's reactions to that. The long conversation. But I was, I, I was still really touched by their reunion, I got to say. Nothing can spoil great acting, real chemistry, and this kind of – have you seen Solaris – I have not. Either version of uh, either, you know, for people out there, Solaris is about a psychologist who's sent to a space station orbiting a planet called Solaris, and he uh, is investigating some deaths, and he's, he's, he realizes that the planet is kind of screwing with his mind, or at least his, his memories are being projected to him, and he is able to reunite with his, his dead wife. I believe. Um, it's an Andre Tarkovsky film from 1972. Steven Soderbergh remade it in the 2000s with George Clooney. And it really reminded me, or this episode reminded me of those movies about this kind of like alien presence allowing us to reunite with the the dead or being kind of a heavenly other world. I mean, he even says, like, is this the afterlife? And then later he says, this is hell. <laughs> like, oh, we can be a little more positive than that. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of confused about how that how that was possible. I mean, I know they're saying that the uh, the, the the network is, is very important, but it's just the thought that um, th there's other consciousnesses there is a little strange, or maybe that was completely fabricated. We don't know. Well, I guess he's between. He's he's in the in between, as they say in um, oh god, what is that novel where the little girl goes to heaven and she's uh, I'll get there. But anyway, <laughs> he's, in, he's like between synapses in the spore network, right? Yeah. He, and that and somehow other stamets became stuck there too, and apparently the dead can exist. Well, that, that's what I mean. That's what I was getting at. Is is that someone that is that an actual representation of the being that was Hugh Colbert, or is that something in Stamets's mind projecting that to him, or something in the network trying to help him to 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 get out because they realizes that the other Stamets has kind of screwed something up. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in Solaris, I think it's just a, a manifestation of his memories and not an actual – it's not literally his wife. I mean, he does say that – he does – Stamets does know. I mean, he was in the room when, uh, you know, Dr. Right. Colbert was killed. He may have not been really uh, conscious for it, but um, he definitely could have picked up that information peripherally. I do – I don't know. I think – I think it's probably the real Culber. I think it's probably, you know, if there is an afterlife, the mercurial or the mycelial network can probably get you there. I'm going to go with real Culber. Okay. Because then you can keep bringing him back. I feel like in the end, 
we early on in uh, the show, people were debating, you know, how is this going to make sense? How is the sport drive? How does the sport drive exist? And then never again in the universe it exists, right? Yeah. And it kind of has to begin and end with Stamets. Either the whole thing collapses, which they're kind of setting up that maybe it can be destroyed, or maybe it can entirely live within Stamets, that he can become a gateway to this and, like, drift between, like, they can't use a sport drive anymore or he chooses not to, but it's unlocked through Stamets. And if he's able to, like, drift through... So it begins uh, and ends with Stamets, and that's, that's why we don't hear about it again, because it was it's never able to be exactly. been created. Okay, that makes exactly. sense. I think that's the way to kind of, like, brush it under the rug while still possessing it in the universe. You don't have to undo anything. There's no lapse in logic. And then Stamets can keep visiting Culber whenever he wants, which would be great. He can go visit for, like, medical information when necessary on the next mission. I w- that would be really nice that it's like this kind of romantic beyond the grave relationship. I actually really like that idea. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But so here's the confusing thing. Colbert seems to know that the mycelial network is dying. I'm not exactly sure what <laughs> I don't know what Stamets had to do to get out of the in-between. I guess just wake up. You know, this was a He's he's caught in limbo and he just kind of needs to shake himself out. Yeah. What do you make of like the Mirror Stamets relationship? Because Mirror Stamets also wants to get out of here. You automatically think that he's up to no good because he's Mirror Stamets. And I kept thinking of the Jet Li movie, The One, where you have to jump from uh, dimension to dimension, killing yourself to become the most powerful version of you. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going in that direction. But no. Stamets, Mirror Stamets is infected by the poisoned mycelial network. So like. He probably is being genuine, but Colbert makes it confusing. What do you think? Yeah, um, he did a very good job of uh, of hiding his motives if he is evil. Um, He's. It it seems. It seems like uh, the the mirror Stamets is not as traditionally mustache twirlingly evil like the other characters are, and he seems to be a little more uh, reckless with his experiments, and that's why he kind of got caught there. So I, I really don't know what his his end game is or what he did to uh, endanger the entire network. Yeah. It's been corrupted, though. That yeah. That seems apparent, and you can be killed by it if you are tapped in, Which so he is poisoned. But so here's the big question. When I first watched the episode, I thought it was pretty obvious that they did a body switcheroo and that regular Stamets' consciousness went into mirror Stamets and he woke, and regular Stamets, prime Stamets, woke up on the ISS Chiron and then they, there was a body switch. For some reason, movie and pop culture storyteller, you know, has, has told me that this is possible and a fun little <laughs> adventure to go on, try and switch bodies. But then I rewatched it. And a lot of people were saying that this was the case, by the way. And then I rewatched it, but when whoever is in the body of Mirror Stamets waking up on Sharon, um, when he wakes up, he says, he did it. Yeah. It makes me think that Mirror Stamets is in Mirror Stamets' body because he would refer to the other Stamets as being able to accomplish this. I yes, I, I I didn't I didn't think there was any body switchers um, because yes, he does wake up and say he did it, and then he seems to get up and he seems to have uh, have a purpose. He, he seems to know where he's going. I, I think that you can make the argument that Mirror Stamets would have an idea of where to go on the discovery because uh, you know our Stamets showed him, but. Our Stamets has never been on the, the Charon, so he wouldn't know what to do over there. That's true. That's true. And our Stamets runs to the crops or 
Yes. Which my first thought was nobody thought the war of the plants. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Look after these plants while I'm gone. <laughs> Tilly. Tilly was busy, though. Tilly was busy. Also, I'm not sure Tilly's spore medical procedure, you know, helping stamets stay alive using spores worked. Uh, I have well, no idea. No, I, I think it, I think it was. I think it was the catalyst for this whole this whole thing. I mean, that was that woke him up. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's what kind of got him into into the in, in the network and uh, and making him aware of it. Um, prior to that, I mean, I, I mean, he's been in this uh, in, in this state for for a number of uh, of days in the universe. Sure. Uh, I think that we would have seen this sooner had she not uh, if if what she did didn't have some kind of effect on him. I guess I guess that's right. But then where has he been? He's just been kind of floating in non-consciousness, but he is also aware that he held Colbert as Colbert died. So yes. He recalls these outside memories as well. No, I guess you're right. I'm really, I'm really just looking for lapses in not, in, in not logic, but I love when characters have plans that fail. I was talking, we were talking about Burnham before, like they've been chasing the archives and then the archives are really just going to land on their lap by whatever means they they wound up here kind of because Lorca drove them here yeah burnham's been chasing one thing and it's totally pointless like her whole adventure she's been used this whole time uh, yeah and then here i was kind of hoping that all this medical procedure nah he just kind of woke up he just decided to wake up and he woke up <laughs> and a lot of people have been complaining about the new star wars movie that there's whole like side plots that don't matter i love that side plots that don't matter take us everywhere in the universe and uh they're true to life you know, a lot yeah. of pursuit that don't work out. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I don't. I don't think Burnham's plot doesn't necessarily matter. It's just it's a, her perception of it doesn't matter because she's still involved in it somewhere. It's just it's just not going where she thought it was going. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it did lead her down a path that, I mean, she made contact with Mirror Voke and uh, yes, kind of bonded with the rebellion a bit. All of these steps were important. I don't know. There might be an argument that she could have circumvented this, or I mean, it all depends on what Lorca wants. I really don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm not sure yet either. And I'm kind of, and again, I'm really, I'm really wondering if, uh, if, if um, Jason Isaacs is on this show next season. I really want him to be. So do I. <laughs> what happened to? Prime, uh, Prime Lorca. I'm assuming Prime that he Lorca died. I'm assuming he died when the when the Baran uh, exploded. Because I mean, yeah, it makes right. no sense that just the captain survives uh, an explosion like that. Yeah, and no one has questioned that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got uh, scars on his back. I mean, that's from the explosion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He just got blown out of the ship uh, into another ship. Just a few scratches. And then he used the force to fly to another ship and to get to save himself. <laughs> As we know, it's possible. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did like his encounter it, while he was being tortured, and then this guy runs in questioning him. And they play it so well that you don't, you're not sure if Lorca is forgetting details or if he's trying to make this, make him seem like Mirror Lorca. Yeah. Right? He's trying to. He might be misremembering who these guys are or where they are. He's playing into it, even while being tortured. And then, of course, he knows exactly who this guy's sister is, Ava. And she, he, he casts her aside in favor of Michael Burnham at some point. But um, what is Lorca's plan? What does he want? Um, I mean, as we've seen... Um, as we're informed from previous Mirror Universe um, uh, uh, 
excursions. Um, you kind of take what you want. You, you, you know, if you want to be captain, you got to take down the captain. So he's, I, I think he wants to be the emperor, um, and he wants huh. to take down Georgiou. But that kind of leaves us in a spot where, you know, if it, alive or dead, he's not coming back with us. You know? Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't like it either because obviously, as I said in the beginning, I've been rooting for kind of Lorca to be this Shades of Grey, this guy who has to do bad things to accomplish good things. And it's still possible, right? I mean, I guess he could I, – I, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was framed as this guy who was kind of siding with the rebellion. Right? Yeah, so maybe, maybe, maybe he – I mean – it does seem odd that he was, as a mirror universe, uh, per, uh, you know, person, how how well he did kind of fit into the uh, the, the main universe. You know, I mean, he, he does seem to uh, kind of walk that line, the, the the line between, you know, black and white a little bit. But um, he doesn't seem like a flat out evil caricature of like we were kind of trained to think. Those eye drops, they really yeah help you. I love that everyone in the mirror universe is averse to light, yeah. sensitive to light. That's uh, a weird detail, but <laughs> fulfilling. But but that scene, along with the the admission of uh, of remembering the name, was was a great like one two like punch for the reveal. Though it worked well. Oh, it was amazing! It was amazing. But uh, yeah, his plan is interesting. So, is there? Uh, do you feel like there's anything planted in the show so far that explains how? He got to the Prime Universe? No, I have no idea. I'm very yeah. curious to see that. And um, the the only other thing I can think of is that that previously when he's talked about um, getting the information back to Starfleet about the Klingon uh, cloaking technology, he does he does actually seem sincere about that. So I mean, I think he does want at least want the Discovery to go back to their universe once his you know, goals are met, and it's just a, a matter of what they are. But I mean, I I, I see very very few um, pathways for him to be returning on the show. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, his motivation for going to the Prime Universe is clearly Michael Burnham. Yes, yeah. Um, which is that's where you start thinking like, is this some sort of weird sexual romantic relationship that they have that he's so driven to her that he believes in destiny because he can be reunited with Michael Burnham in the prime universe and have this opportunity to be with her again it's kind of a it's just, it's an obsessive take on on his circumstances and but does he want Burnham by his side is Burnham his his queen when he becomes emperor or is Burnham the only person who can solve all of the universe's problems on both sides of of the uh, interfacing loop or uh, gateway or between the spores of the threads of the universe is Michael Burnham the center of all? That'd be weird. I mean, that'd be a little much. Uh, it, it would be, but I I think that's likely the case. I I think one um, it, it, chosen one. She she is in a way, and then also he probably does want uh, her at his side, even though it, it is a different version of the the one he knew yeah i'm hoping there's redemption we were talking about and this can lead us to talk a little wrap up about uh voke and the, and the klingons but one thing i mentioned before was about redemption for characters who commit terrible crimes um and sometimes that can be glossed over in the genre fiction that we love as long as they're heroic in the right moment everything they've done in the past can be kind of washed away very true i'm wondering what you think about Lorca 
Um, we don't. I don't think we know, as you said, the 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 severity of his crimes, quote unquote, or his actions, and just how far into darkness he had to go uh, to, in order to either take over the mirror universe or go to the prime universe and then jump back to the mirror universe. Or maybe he's helping the rebellion. Maybe he has to commit heinous actions or crimes and do horrible things in order to save the universe from this tyrant. Um, but do you see him as, uh, and this speaks to what you're saying, will he be on the show in the future? I think if he is, he has to be redeemed somehow. The things he's doing, the piece, we just saw him murder a guy. Um, now, it's true. There's a bad guy, I guess. If, if, if everyone in the mirror universe is bad, who's a Terran, um, maybe we don't care too much about that. But like, if Lorca, I don't know what his, if he if he was teaching Michael Burnham and then like became attracted to Michael Burnham and lured Michael Burnham into a relationship. I guess it depends how she died and what that real relationship is. But like, is Lorca redeemable? So um, I, I think it's important in answering this question. It's important to ask. What does the outcome matter in terms of informing the original series Mirror Universe episode? There clearly then is still a Terran Empire. Um, and now does that mean that does it matter there if if Georgiou is the emperor? Does it matter if Lorca is the emperor? Does it matter? I mean, it can't be that if Lorca is working with the resistance, I mean, it's seemingly they fail because 10 years from now it uh you know, it still seems to be it still seems to exist as it is. Yeah, so I'm looking at, I've been studying up. I've been looking, trying to find timelines of this whole mirror universe and what's happening in the prime universe. And the studious Star Trek scholars have, uh, they think that Giorgio is the emperor in 2250. So we've crossed over in 2256, our time. And then the later crossover by the Enterprise is 2267, and we see Mirror Spock. And, for, and, and according to these scholars, Spock is the emperor in the 2270s. Yes. And then the Terran Empire falls, because later, when Deep Space Nine crew members cross over in 2370-ish, uh, the Terran Rebellion... There's a Klingon Cardassian alliance. Like everything is falling, right? Yeah, th th that was also touched upon in the. Uh, there was a, uh, a TNG Mirror comic recently. Uh, I, I think it's finished now. It was a miniseries that they basically said that you know Spock was too soft and the the whole empire fell. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a burn. Yeah, seriously. Michael Burn. <laughs> um, poor Spock. Yeah, poor Spock. Yeah, I mean, the the, he, the guy tries to do right and then, you know, fails miserably. <laughs> um, does Spock show up on this show? He would be alive, right? Uh, well, yeah. So um, a, a few episodes ago, we we reviewed the um, the, the first tie-in novel, Desperate Hours, and Spock is a main character in that book. So uh, he he is active. And he's he's active on the Enterprise uh, under the command of uh, Captain Pike, and uh, you know, he, it's. It, it's possible we could see him. Yeah, I mean, the whole time leading up to the show, I would figure that Spock was going to be much younger, and maybe we see kid Spock, which is the worst thing, and I would not want to see. But he is an adult, and uh, and he could show up at some point. I mean, I would see like Zachary Quinto in a beard show up. Really just... <laughs> no, he's done with it. He, he doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> oh, no, no, he's, that's cross brands, cross universes. He's he's done. But uh... yeah. I don't know who would pick up that mantle. That would be it. Would be scary, yeah. Uh, especially with the beard. But 
Yeah, so I, I'm hoping Lorca, I'm, I'm hoping there's room for Lorca to turn this around. He's obviously being painted as a villain, and if we know anything about Star Trek Discovery, they love their twists, they love yes. their turns, they love deceiving us and making us think one thing based on how people should act or how stories should go, and then kind of um, outmaneuvering us in the end. Um, so there might be hope for Lorca, um, but his whole like. I, I was with your sister, Ava, but I tossed her aside. That rubs me wrong. Yeah, that was, that was a bit on the darker side, yeah. I mean, if that's really where this is going, to some sort of romantic connection, this show has been astoundingly relevant almost by accident. I mean, obviously they could pen these episodes about xenophobia in kind of the heart of, of this moment we're in, in this xenophobic moment we're in. Uh, and But to, to somehow predict that we might have some sort of strange toxic male moment and weird relationships between men and women at this moment that's like that's kind of amazing yeah yeah i'm always i'm interested to see how it'll play out and how the current conversation you know about like me too and time's up will kind of shade this relationship they have yeah whatever happens it's gonna be interesting yeah Uh, how many episodes left is it two or three there are, I'm going to tell you, there are three more episodes left. Okay. The next one is what's past is prologue. For finally getting back, I feel like we took a break from having really long, iambic pentameter uh, <laughs> titles for episodes. So we're kind of getting back to murkier territory. What's past is prologue. Maybe this is maybe this is where we find out uh, Lorca's overall motives, and 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 we find out how he ended up in the in the main universe. Ooh, big flashback episode. You might be yeah. right, because we're kind of culminating here, right? There's not too much now that Lorca has busted out. They kind of have to have a showdown. Yeah, there needs to be there needs to be a resolution before the end of the season, obviously. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what's happening with the discovery. I guess Stamets is about to figure out. They yeah, work. I, my, my feeling yeah. is that, that that Stamets will be the uh, the, the the way they get home. Um, now, at the last episode, as terrible as it was, me talking to myself for ten minutes, uh, <laughs> I, I I do I am kind of wondering is how quickly they will get home. Um, if this turns into a kind of a sliders meets Star Trek kind of a show in the future, or if they do go straight home, because I'm kind of wondering what stories they can tell based on the characters they have um, in the future. Yeah, I mean, we're familiar with the mirror universe, but you would think that there are many layers of universes yes. connected by the network, the mycelial network. So maybe they don't necessarily have to go back to Prime right away. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts, I'm, I'm, but I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm not 100% on that. Uh, and, and just to wrap up, we got a little more of the Ash folk. I keep saying Vok, and I feel like I... Well, they, they, it, it's pronounced. I think we're. I think it's pronounced in Klingon differently than it's pronounced in English. <laughs> it's like I feel like Vok. We say Vok, but I think Vok would say Vok. <laughs> right, Laurel says Vok. Yeah. This is the first episode where I was like, I've been doing it wrong. My whole life is a sham. <laughs> I want to speak in Klingon when I talk about Vok, so I will be continuing to say Vok. But anyway, uh, it becomes very clear what happened if it wasn't already uh, and and Laurel does not care that Vogue is kind of like falling into shambles until she really does what what, what did you make of that whole turn uh, what, where is this story going that that's a question uh, I'm, I've been kind of asking um, I, really what I think 
ultimately what she does is kind of realign the Tyler persona over the uh, the Voke persona. Uh, and I think that that's a way that this character exists beyond this season. I think that he'll kind of teeter between those two personalities moving forward. And, like, you know, he'll mostly be Tyler, but, you know, when he's under kind of pressure that he may kind of switch over to being Voke again. Um, actual PTSD. Yes, yeah. Those two, like, strange embedded Manchurian as they say, PTSD. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I don't think Laurel has much future on this show. Um, it, it, you know, but let's say that let's say they do get stuck in other universes and they can't quite get home. Uh, I, I could see them using Tyler, um, you, you know, in his state and hoping he doesn't kind of flip out and turn into Vok again. But don't you think? Uh... Uh, someone will have to fact check this. Wouldn't Lorel be one of the first Klingons to serve on a Federation ship at this point in the timeline? Could she? Could she join the crew? Um, join the crew. That's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, if if they're stranded, I could see it. If yeah. if they're not, no way. Yeah. I'll be interested. Yeah, no, it, it has to go somewhere. It can't just end like that. I mean, it was a great twist, uh, and I, I think it it has some more room to grow, and I hope I hope they they do continue with it. I don't recall if this was clear before. It couldn't have been because we're really just getting the revelations of the Ash Folk transformation as the show goes along, despite us theorizing on it for eons. <laughs> um, but that Ash was a real person captured. In the Battle of the Binary Stars. Yes. Was that established? Uh, it, it, it wasn't, but I, I think it, I mean, I remember the episode that uh, that you were on, the last episode you were on, we, we mentioned if that was a plot hole or not. So I think they meant to imply it, and maybe it was, it was kind of edited out for time constraints or something. But um, I think we're meant to think that, that, that we knew. Well, now, now, we, now, now it's been said, so he definitely was. But I, I thought it was interesting that they... He must have been. He was killed, I think, in the Battle of the Binary Stars, and they said they harvested his DNA. Yes. Not actually what I thought was happening. I, I figured they kind of just like took a real person, or no, I didn't even think they took a real person. I thought they just kind of like built over Voke. Yeah. But they, but they didn't. They, so they they, they kind of used him as like a genetic template in a way, and then somehow yeah. copied his consciousness over, which I don't really understand right. that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, it's crazy, and yeah. I, don't try to make sense of it. No, but I, I'm I'm totally on board with it. I'm totally fine with it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, and I think you're right. I think there's a future for Voke. I think that he, it, well, should we call him Voke? Should I call him Ash? He's probably just Ash now. He's just like a cloned version of Ash who's going to be deprogrammed uh, from his his Voke days. Which is yes. R.I.P. Voke. Finally. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the the, the future. Um, I mean, the, the next meeting of Burnham and Voke Tyler will be very interesting to see. And I mean, I got to give a shout out to Saru, who Doug Jones is just killing it in terms of like gawking and having his mouth agape and just being like totally <laughs> afraid of everything, but still trying to be the captain. And just I love that performance. Uh, you know, I, I love him. I think he's he's been doing a great job as the stand-in captain, actually. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, and then they eat Kelpian. Yes. <laughs> that scene is crazy. So yes. So walks into the throne room, and Giorgio asks her to pick a Kelpian. I thought she was getting a new slave as a reward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you? What is this? And this is, it's not going to come back. She just picked one, and he walks off. That's what is going on. And yeah. 
they eat him up and they eat his ganglia and that was just tremendously yeah the, uh, the, the look on Burnham's face as she uh, swallowed that down was was priceless um I mean <laughs> very believable well anything else from uh, from this this revelatory episode Brian anything that we missed in vaulting ambition uh, I, I think that just about wraps it up I mean I, I think um, I, I uh, just to follow up with Saru briefly, uh, I, I think his turn as captain, uh, I think in the preview we kind of mentioned that uh, they mentioned that the, this is no longer Lorca's ship. So I actually could see him being in charge in the future, and I think it could actually work. Yeah, I don't see Burnham ever wanting to be captain. No, I don't think so. And she wouldn't be useful there. She needs to be this kind of rebellious force or, like, butting heads. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I. I mean, even now she's she's being she's driven by other people's plans right now. She doesn't have her own uh, stake in this, other than you know getting home. Like she's just going with whatever Lorca's telling her, whatever Saru's telling her on the other side. Like she's not in the driver's seat. Yeah, I, I and I, I know Saru took some uh, lessons trying to be captain earlier in the season. I think yeah. it paid off. I think he's doing absolutely a commanding job. Um, all right, that's that's vaulting ambition. Yep. And I've now vaulted my ambition to be the host of Engage the Official Star Trek Podcast. So, so wait, what do you have, one more episode before you join the Fiverr Club? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. When will I come back? I don't know. Maybe I'll wrap up season two with you guys. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's it for this week's Engage the Official Star Trek Podcast. I'm Matt Patches. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Uh, Brian, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining in here. It's, it's been a pleasure, sir. And Jordan should be back next week. I don't want to make too many promises, but uh, <laughs> probably. We shall see. <laughs> More Star Trek, definitely. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.